I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, over there in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's Scott Rafferty, Scott of Sporting News. Scott, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Good afternoon. Still in Charlotte. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm doing well, man. It's It's been a, uh, a crazy and fun season to date. I feel like whenever I feel like I have a good idea of what's going on, something crazy happens, and then I'm back to, to square one. But that... Wait, who brought you season. back to square one of late? Who who brought you back? I don't know. As soon as I feel like I have a good sense of a team, they they lose a bad game or someone gets injured. I feel like the season's just kind of all over the place. You Give know? me an example. Who of late? Who you've thrown it out for? <laughs> I I don't think that Philly cracked the code against Jokic mm. and the Nuggets. Uh, I do think that was a very interesting game, though. I, okay. I guess Why? I'll, I'll just put it there. I mean, the way that they defended Jokic, again, I don't know if there's... Many teams that can kind of replicate the whole like PJ Tucker defending him with physicality, having Embiid kind of, you know, playing the the no man's land kind of role, protecting mm-hmm. the rim and everything. There's not many teams that can do that, but I, I just thought that was very interesting. Like Jokic looked a little, looked a little bit flustered. I feel like if they did that again, he's such a smart player that he he probably figures it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think that kind of just goes back to I, I don't think like any team is kind of unbeatable right mm-hmm. now. It it just feels like there's a there's a lot in the air, I guess. I would agree. I mean, I I think there are probably still like 11 teams you could say could win the title this year, which is pretty wild. Um, I'm around there. I have to do a redo, but I'm pretty sure I was that when I was doing the list a few weeks back was 11. If everything's healthy, it's like you can still throw the Clippers on there. You can still I won't throw the Lakers on there because I just I refuse to believe that they can be healthy for that uh, amount of time necessary to do that. Um, But I don't know. We'll talk about the Lakers in a little bit, but yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting, but is there anybody in the West up to, because the Nuggets might be the number one seed in the West. They are probably going to go in barring no injuries, knock on wood, uh, be the number one seed going into the West and probably the favorites. Um, I think coming out just because of how deep that team is, but it's also weird because like bones Highlands coming up and like, they're going to get a first round pick for him. So yeah. I don't really know because that was like one of the under the radar things that happened la- this off season for them where, Connolly left because they were not going to pay what he wanted to uh, stick around. So they just promoted from within with Calvin Booth. And it's just kind of one of those, mm, okay. It, it, the Hawks did something similar where it was like, we're going to contend. We're going to really go for it. And we're we're not breaking this up. And it's like, we're also going to quietly move Kevin Herter for Justin Holiday and Mo Harkless while also training for DeJounte Murray. See, we're going for it, but we're also not all the way going for it. So... I don't know. It's really hard for me to get a feel on how much I believe 
in the Nuggets. But is there anyone in the West who can replicate what PJ Tucker and Joe Embiid did to uh, Jokic inside in the playoffs? I don't know. Like yeah. it, it, they're a pretty unique team in that perspective. I mean, the Warriors. He still put up huge numbers against him in the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Warriors can at least do it with like Draymond Green guarding him. Kevon Looney's obviously not the like backline rim protector that Joel Embiid is, but like you have mm-hmm. that that kind of that strength on Embiid and that size underneath the basket. Mm-hmm. But again, like I, I don't really know what to make of it because again, like Jokic is so smart, and there were still mm-hmm. times in that game where like clearly he was flustered. Like he had. I can't remember, eight, eight turnovers, I think it was, and a couple of them were real head scratches. Like, you just don't see that from Jokic. Mm. And, I, and I just, I feel like he's such a smart player that if they do that again, like if this was a seven-game series with the 76ers and Doc Rivers breaks this out in game two or three, has Jokic figured it out in game four or five and suddenly you don't really have an answer for them? Um, hmm. Are they your favorite in the West? Probably. But even then, like, I, I just, I, I, the defense, I, I feel like I'm just not sold on the defense and like they don't mm. have kind of that versatility that I feel like a lot of contenders lately have had and that they can just change, do so many different schemes, which you really need when you're going through four different rounds and playing four different opponents. Mm. Um, so I, I do worry about that a little bit from that perspective, but you won't, I mean, you'll, you'll struggle to find someone who loves Jokic as much as I do. Huge believer in him. He's proven himself in the playoffs too. Like the guy has just been incredible every single year in the playoffs. Um, the Grizzlies intrigue me, but that's another team where it's like, I, I just, I, I feel like teams are just going to completely load up the paint in the playoffs, mm. right? Knowing that Jaw wants to get there, they're going to help off of Steven Adams. I think they'll probably dare Jaron Jackson Jr. to shoot a little bit until they can kind of prove him otherwise. And then you're really relying on like Desmond Bain, who's awesome. That's probably the mm. one guy that you're, you know, playing really tight, not letting him get open. But I, I just, I feel like there's just a big question mark for almost like all the top teams in the West, even the Clippers, you know, like Kawhi and Paul George not playing a ton. They've looked better lately, but that's obviously a huge question mark. The Kings are up there. The Warriors have been awful on the road this season. Can't pick up a win there. I don't know what to make of them. It just, it feels, and then you get into the mix of teams. that's like the Mavs, the Suns, the Pelicans. It's just, I feel like it's all over the place. It's funny. Like I said before the year, I think the Mavs are going to the finals. People just like, really? forgot the Mavs were in the Western Conference finals this past year with a uh, with Brunson, obviously, in the fold. And they lost him for nothing, and that was rough. But I think they're going to – we'll talk about Dorian Finney-Smith and what they're able to do there. But I, <laughs> it's going to happen because I've compared the Luka stuff to the first time LeBron was in Cleveland, right? Yeah. Where – he just needed that opening where the West kind of opened up with Detroit, or back in the day with Detroit opening up four and that dynasty kind of ending and LeBron taking that taking that spot. The Warriors kind of uh, fighting for their lives in the play-in area, and we'll see where they're at. But like, I don't think there is anyone in the West in a seven-game series that is looking forward to this iteration of Luka and a bunch of veteran shooters and feeling pretty good about things because I think they're going to get older. I think they're going to do something at the deadline that helps them. And I, Luca is going to be the best player in every series that he plays in, in the West. And I think what we've seen from Luca to this point and him getting this team to the Western conference finals last year, these guys eventually make the finals sooner rather than later. Like when you're a top three, top four talent and it kind of opens up like this where it's like, oh, anybody can win. Then it's like, all right, the best player in the conference or having the best season takes care of that. And I don't know, man. I think the the defense come on. I love the veteran shooting. Like Reggie Bullock was not going to shoot that poorly all season long. And you look at it and I don't know if Jaden Hardy is going to be part of their playoff rotation or anything, but 
I they know what their identity is. You talk about like who you know and who you don't know. I know exactly who the Mavericks are. Like when you watch them every night, they've been the exact same team the last two years, even with Jalen Brunson not in the fold. It, they know exactly how they want to play. They know how they want to beat teams. Josh Green knows exactly what he's supposed to do every time on the court. I don't know. I think they're a team that knows what to do, and I trust them more in the half court than the Grizzlies. Like if you give me Grizzlies, Mavs in the Western Conference Finals, I'm taking the Mavs. Like I. I trust Luca and this group far more in the half court and close games than I do Memphis. I think Memphis is fool's gold. I think we're going to just run over this over and over again in the regular season where they gobble up the wins. They're a lot of fun, and then they run into the wall uh, come playoff time. I'm more uh, optimistic about the Pelicans' immediate future if Zion's ever healthy. I think B.I. and company uh, have a better shot of really breaking through in the West and C.J. and those guys than, uh, than Memphis. I just... I love Memphis watching them. They're a lot of fun. Like when Jaw stops on a dime with passes like that, like it's fun. Jaron Jackson bullying people inside. Like that's, that's fun. I just, if you're asking me who I trust more in the Western conference come playoff time, it's just, it's not them. It's, it's Dallas. But I think the, the interesting thing about the Grizzlies, they have the assets to make a splashy move if they want yeah. to ahead of the trade deadline. That's the interesting thing to me. I, and I don't really know who that player is. Like I know that people want to go after OG for them. I don't, Obviously, defensively, he would help. He'd be he'd fit in perfectly with them. Offensively, mm. I just don't know if he gives them quite enough juice. I think Pascal Siakam probably solves like more of what they're looking for. But I also don't know if Siakam, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Stephen Adams really makes sense. Um, maybe if you yeah. move like Jaron Jackson Jr. to center and then play Pascal at the four, but then obviously Stephen Adams is just so important being able to defend opposing centers and what he does on the offensive glass and everything like that. So. I, I think they're a fascinating team going to the trade deadline. But to be sure. clear, do you think like are you sold on like this version of the Mavericks going to the finals, or are you expecting them to like make a move and put them in that position? Like I could see them trading for Bojan, who we'll talk about in a second, and okay. flipping in for Finney Smith and maybe a first, and we'll see if Troy Weaver lowers his price on what he's going to ask for Bojan. But like Luca's number two right now in real plus minus. He's only behind Jason Tatum, and it's close. Jason Tatum's number one in ESPN's real plus minus. Um, he's number two. Jokic is number three. Embiid four. LeBron five. Offensive real plus minus in the league. He is number two, right behind Damian Lillard. And they're almost neck and neck. He's played 46 games. I know he's going to play every game. The dude's built like a tank. I'm not worried about injuries with this Dallas team. Yeah, I just I think they just need another shooter. I think they could get a better rim protector and move on. Like the Christian Wood stuff is weird, and I don't know how that's gonna go come playoff time, and if that's ever gonna be a a perfect fit. And I'm ever gonna really love their big rotation, but I also don't think it matters if Luca's on for three straight series and they have the shooting where it's like, oh, um, Reggie Bullock shot 45 percent from three this series. Uh, Jalen Hardy <laughs> shot 40 percent this series. Um, I don't know. I could just I, I know exactly what they're going to try and do come playoff time, and I think it's going to win multiple series. And then Lucas just, I think, played at an unbelievable level that I think we're even discounting uh, to this point. He's a cheat code. He, yes. I, I feel like he just has an answer for everything at this point. Mm. Like, he's even, over the last couple, I remember like two seasons ago, I wrote about him kind of like starting to pick on people, like yes. in pick and rolls, and then attacking them in the post. And it was like, he was giving you like a taste of that. And then mm -hmm. now it's just gone to the point where he, he's he's among the league leaders in like post-up scoring. Like yeah. he'll do it every single night to, to no matter who. He can basically just destroy anyone in any situation because he can either beat them in the post or he's too shifty for them or he just has mm -hmm. that step back. It does really feel like he's just a cheat code and he, he's got an answer for Which is perfect for playoff basketball. Like yeah. the post-ups and everything else. Like when it gets tight, Luca's going to draw those fouls or he's going to hit it. Like it's yeah. what he did to DeAndre Hunter, like the Hawks played the match a few weeks ago. 
And <laughs> something I jotted down was just like DeAndre is good perimeter defender. He's good on ball defender. Like he's fine, but he's not very big. And he was tasked with guarding Luca because he was the best that the Hawks could throw at him. And Luca had like 16 on him in the first quarter. Like it was just one of those where Luca, the post ups and everything else, where DeAndre drew a couple fouls, but he's looking around like, what am I supposed to do? Like the Luca's just like you said, he is 1,000% a cheat code. And um, I don't know. That's my that's my gut. You heard it here first, January 31st on this very podcast that I think the, the Mavs make it to the finals. I don't think they win. I think the, the best team comes out of the East, um, whoever yeah. that is. But I do think they make it. Um, speaking of the Clippers, though, I went back to Atlanta uh, over the weekend, took my wife to her first Hawks game in person. So she always is like walking back and forth like, oh, how's DeJounte doing? She was very upset that Kevin hurt her. Got traded. That was her guy for the last couple of years. Um, so that was that was rough uh, this year. But um, especially when I told her who we got for Kevin Herter and how that all unfolded, it uh, it's not great. But uh, Hawks lost um, late. Uh, Kawhi shut the door on the Hawks in that one, and it was something. It was cool to see the Clippers in person because they're different. They're another different team where they don't close to the point guard like Reggie Jackson. He loves Metallica. Got to see him jam out uh, during an intermission where he was really, really having a lot of fun with that. And Terrence Mann playing important minutes for them right now. Luke Kennard had a good quarter. He's healthy. This is, it was the healthiest they've looked in a while. And they look like a real contender. It's just they need that last spot. And you can see whether it's Mike Conley or whoever they're really, really close. So I think there's just, it's odd to me that there's so much focus on the Lakers at this point where I'm like, I think if the Clippers are this healthy come playoff time and this group and Kawhi is playing like this, their upside is significantly higher than the Lakers and what they can do come playoff time. Do you agree with where uh, where the Clippers are at right now? Yeah, I agree. I, look, they, they were my pick to come out of the West at the start of the season. Mm. I think the way that Kawhi came out which on one hand wasn't a surprise given he just missed all of last season with an ACL injury, but mm-hmm. he, he did go off to a slow start. I mean, we do at Sporting News, we do our like, I want to say three or four times a season, we do our check-in of like who are the top 30 players in the league and we all rank on, we all rank them, 10 of us or whatever. Mm. And Kawhi, we did it just before Christmas and Kawhi was one I feel like we were the most all over the place on. Mm. I think I had him highest as the 10th best player in the league. And I was projecting a little bit, giving him more of a benefit of the doubt of, I think he's, this is just going to take him some time to kind of get back to his form. Mm. But someone had him as low as 28. Like, that's how all over the place we were on him. And I think, you know, it's, it's very clear that this is a team, they're super deep, mm. but they are only going to go as far as their two stars can take them. So it was one of those things where, like, I feel like we just had to wait and see how Kawhi was playing. And he's been awesome over the last, I want to say, like, four to six weeks. His last, last 10 like, 20- games, he's at 28, uh, t- or basically 29 points. Uh, shooting nine percent from the line, six boards, four assists, two steals. Um, shooting forty-four percent from three and fifty-eight uh, percent from the field in thirty-six minutes. That's the other big thing. He's playing thirty-six minutes tonight. Yeah, he's basically putting up numbers that he was the season before yeah. he got injured. Like that. That's and that's, that's a, a totally NBA. different Clippers team. Yeah. So then you plug in Paul George, who's had I, I feel like an underrated good season. Um, mm. Played in more games than kind of because we did our All Star picks the other day, and I think he's played in more games than I kind of thought. Um, mm. he's having a good season and then yeah you had the depth around them I am fascinated to see kind of how they approach this trade deadline though because it does feel like they almost have too much depth sometimes mm. and I do wonder if they do flip some of those guys for really a point guard or a center feels like what they need um, Zubac is great for them but he's really their only center they have on the roster so do they kind of look to get him some help there and obviously the point guard it feels like they're just constantly linked to a point guard they tried John Wall 
hasn't gone really what they expected. Reggie Jackson was great a couple seasons ago, hasn't really been able to get back to that level. So I, I am fascinated to see kind of how they approach this trade deadline because it does feel like they they kind of tra- they are trending upwards. And it does feel like they're a move away from really kind of, I feel like getting back to, oh, this is this is the best team in the West. Yeah, because when you look at their lineups that like have the most success, you would be surprised to see where they come. So it's like, this one's not surprising to me. Um, and this is their best lineup. What would you guess their best five-man lineup to this point with at minimum 50 possessions together? I have no idea because I feel like they've had so many guys in and out that mm. it could be anything. Okay. I mean, I, I would like to think Kawhi, Paul, George are in there. Um, mm, I wouldn't correct. be surprised if Zubac is in there. He is in there. Uh, Kennard. Kennard is in there. Okay. Um, I mean, Nolan Powell. No, close. Terrence Mann. Okay. That's their best five. Okay. Plus 24.6. Um, that's, I don't know. I, I don't know who makes the most sense because Conley has been healthy to this point. I just conley john wall like i just wouldn't do it for these injury like these older injury prone guys where i'm like you already brought in a version of that if you're going to make a trade for a, a point guard at this point it's someone you have to be able to count on because Kawhi is always just a ticking time bomb and you're just I, I don't know if that makes as much sense to me do you based on what you've seen from conley this year do you think he fits with what the clippers would try and do and do you think he'd actually he'd fit in nicely I think he'd fit in really well. I mean, Mike okay. Conley kind of, I, I think Mike Conley is a great example of a guy who maybe not at this point of his career is not as good on ball, but he can still like get a decent shot for himself out of a pick and roll. But he's also mm-hmm. comfortable playing off ball, being a spot up shooter. And he's a good ball mover. He's a smart player. And I think mm-hmm. with a team built around Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, who aren't, you know, they're, they're not pass first guys. They can both pass, but they're not going to like pick you apart in like a Luka Doncic or Jokic way. I think it is important that you do have someone kind of at that position who can kind of fill in some of those gaps. So I, I think Conley would help. Mm. I think he's the kind of point guard they need. But to your point, he is on the older side. He has had some injury issues. Um, the thing is, like, I, I think he's probably he'd probably be easier to get than like a Fred Van Vliet. Hmm. Although I feel like Fred Van Vliet would actually be a better overall fit. And the other problem with Freddie is that he he's probably going to be a free agent in the offseason. So if, if the mm. Clippers did trade for him, you're either it's either a six month rental, which maybe they don't care if it results in a championship, um, but either that or you're basically signing up to pay him what appears to be thirty plus million dollars a year. And this is already you know they're already paying a ton of money for this roster, so then that's just going to kind of go through the roof if that's the case. And then the other wrinkle to Fred VanVleet is he signed with Clutch. This week he fired yeah. his agent and now immediately people were like oh lebron clutch like he because he makes sense for the lakers too like yeah. Fred Vliet makes sense for both teams but personally i would just rather fred van vliet wind up in Clipperland. like i think that's more fun i think it's more i just i'm more optimistic about what the clippers could be come playoff time with the, them being healthy than the lakers are you are you in the same boat i mean you oh I, yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. i mean Again, we did our top 30 players list. Anthony Davis and LeBron James were ahead of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So I think mm-hmm. if they were in that series, you can make the argument that they have the two best players in the series. But I still think Kawhi, if he can get back to what he was before, is a top five player in the league or yeah. around that. He's just incredible on both ends of the court. And I think they can kind of do enough. Like they have the size that they can throw against LeBron and AD. Not that they're necessarily going to stop them, but I think they can probably make it a little bit more difficult than the other way around. Mm-hmm. And I also just like that depth. Like the surrounding pieces make so much more sense with the Clippers than it does with the Lakers to me. I would agree. Um, and Ty Lue, by the way. Ty Lue is 
one of the best coaches in the league. And I, when it come, push comes to shove in the playoffs, like he, I trust him to make the, the right moves. Yeah, I would agree. Um, is there a better option? We've mentioned Fred Van Vliet and Conley. Is there another option that you've thought about for the Clippers that people haven't necessarily talked about? But if you're Lawrence Frank, and I know you think about that a lot, or if you're Lawrence Frank, uh, Scott Rafferty, who are you, who are you targeting? I do like Fred Van Vliet for them. I know another player who's been mentioned is Kyle Lowry. Yeah. I think if it was Kyle Lowry like three years ago, I think that would make a lot of sense, but I just don't know if this, this version What's of Kyle real Lowry... What's real with Kyle Lowry this year? What's what, sorry? What's real with Kyle Lowry this year? Why are why are you kind of down more on him this year? What's changed with this game? I mean, he's just he's just at this point of his career. Like, he's just mm-hmm. not as efficient of a scorer. Um, I mean, it, feel, it's, it still feels like he draws like five charges a game just because <laughs> that's what he's always going to do. But it just doesn't feel like he's making the same impact on both ends of the court, which, again, is, is not a surprise given his age and, and mileage and all that. But um, again, like I think the Kyle Lowry of two, three years ago when he was still kind of playing at an all-star level, he really was like the perfect point guard for kind of any contending team just because mm. of what he does on both ends of the court. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't know if, if that version kind of puts him over the top. But it is interesting to me that it does feel like a lot of the, the conversations around point guards, but I do wonder again if they kind of pursue a center more than a point guard. I know they like to play small, so they either play Zubach or they kind of just downsize and play small ball, yeah, but which Tim. will work against a lot of teams. I, I just, again, I wonder, I know we're going to talk about um, Nas Reed, but like that's mm-hmm. another guy, you know, who uh, seems like he could be gettable. And I feel I like, Nas be, Reed, but yeah, yeah I feel like him. he'd be a great addition to a lot of teams. I just, I'm less concerned about guys like that, like the backup bigs, like you can find them. They, they exist can. like they 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 exist there's always yeah. a Dwayne Deadman around the corner like you can you just call around a little bit you don't have to give up a lot for those guys I just wouldn't I just wouldn't do that in in today's game I wouldn't if that's your it's like the way I look at backup bigs now I look at closers in baseball or just bullpen arms where you're like look there's if the last thing that you need if the thing that people criticize your team for is that you just you need bullpen help that means you're in really good shape like the hard stuff is everything else around it easy stuff is like the bullpen like you can make additions to the deadline you can find some bullpen arms teams are always willing to give up bullpen arms teams are always willing to give up some backup bigs like Rashawn Holmes whoever it is like there are guys on these rosters all around the league who aren't playing who could just play like their guys in the G League? Like I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not as concerned about that. I'd be more concerned about guys on ball, um, the guards who you trust, who can get Kawhi and uh, Paul George the ball. Come play with them. Like Lowry, like he's shooting 33%. So his shot has not been there from three this year. His on-off numbers aren't great. But I look at all that and I'm like, this is actually like what you want if you're Los Angeles because you're like the point. price might not be that crazy for Kyle Lowry at this point because. He's not uh, he's not playing his best basketball. He's 36, and it's a different kind of value proposition than like a John Wall type, who's just so much of it was built on athleticism and things like that. Kyle Lowry, I mean, in a he won a title with Kawhi just two what three years ago. Yep. Um, they have familiarity. Uh, bring him into the locker room. He's played in a bunch of playoff games, meaningful playoff games. I I like that the most, where you wouldn't have to give up as much as you would for a Fred VanVleet. I obviously have he'd be a better help to them, but I think Kyle Lowry, with what they would have to give up, might be able to be a better fit and then still have enough to get that backup big to relieve Zubac or just give him the versatility because I still don't even know if they would play him over uh, Batum in that backup five role. It's really just matchup based, where you just you wish you had that option if you need to uh, one exactly. night or one series. 
Yeah, exactly. And I also think there's obviously the injury part to this as well, right? Yeah. Like, what if Zubac goes down with a sprained ankle at the wrong point, of the, like at the late end of the season for them? Then what does that look like? Marcus Morris is probably playing the five, right? Probably. I mean, this yeah. is the thing that the Celtics are dealing with right now. Like, I, I'm fascinated mm-hmm. by, you know, all the reporting points towards them being interested in Jakob Pertl, who is one of the most sought-after centers right now, I think, which I think for mm-hmm. them is fascinating when they already have Robert Williams III and Al Horford. Yeah. It's just obviously it's injury stuff, right? It's, it's the, the the possibility that one of them gets injured for an extended period of time and they need a more reliable center. So um, I just don't believe like the two first round picks. I don't know what Jakob Pertl is going to go for, but I'm very, very curious to see what the yeah. Spurs actually get for him if they move him. Yeah, same. I mean, they're interested. The Raptors are apparently interested. They've been linked to him. What feels like since he's been gone, basically. That makes no sense. Like, why would the Raptors trade? Like, why would they be buyers at this point? Why would they give up a first for Jakob Pertl? Like, that makes no sense. They're impossible to read. Yeah. I know all, all the reporting's basically been like, we'll have to wait to see how this road trip goes that they're on right now mm. to know if they're going to be buyers or sellers. And we're what, like a week and a half, two weeks mm. away from the trade deadline, and it still feels like all the reporting's the same. And we're halfway through this road trip. Like, at some point, they're going to have to make a decision. Well, OG's I, off, right? Like, because of the injury, OG's out. I don't know. Do we not think so? Yeah. I have no idea. I have no idea what to make of them. I, it, it seems like th- there's nothing coming out about Pascal that I've read, right? Yeah. Like, it, it seems like Pascal's probably a safe bet to stay put. Gary Trent Jr. seems like if someone does get traded, he's the most obvious candidate. And then it feels like it's kind of just up in the air with Fred VanVleet and OG based on kind of all the reporting and everything like that. Yeah, I'm going to guess they do something. And then you have the other thing, which is Nick Nurse might be gone at the end of the year. Like, his contract's up. So, he might be out the door. And, man, that'd be rough. Because you would still consider him, what, top five coach? Have you lost? Has he gone down the rankings because of how this year has gone for you at all? Or do you not put a lot of the blame on him this year? I Honestly, the, the longer that I do this job, I try mm. and not be as reactive. I feel like mm. it's really easy to kind of stuff like this happens they have a really bad 50 games and suddenly like you move nick nurse down the rankings i lean mm. more towards and what's happened the last few years and what he's shown so I, mm. I still probably would have him in kind of like that top five range i, I feel like okay. he's kind of proven it i wonder which team like is okay with their coach and fires uh their coach just because oh nick nurse is available we gotta we have an, a chance to get a top five coach like what, what are we doing here because you don't see that very much with coaches where teams are like jumping over themselves to hire this one guy and i yeah I don't know. My gut is like Nate. There's no chance Nate McMillan is coaching the Atlanta Hawks next year. Like a uh, negative zero percent chance uh, that Nate is coaching. Like I'm not convinced that Nate is the coach come playoff time if the Hawks really? make it there. Like I, my sort of conspiracy theory. My like just I hope I'm not right here. I just I would not be surprised if it's Ime Udoka is the coach of the Hawks sooner rather than later. Like I would just there's a Spurs connection. Landry Fields is running this. He grew up in the Spurs front office. Pop and Ime are still close. Like it didn't get hired in Brooklyn, but let me tell you the media market in Atlanta and the Hawks market is not, not as, um, not as controversial, not as big as that Brooklyn market. And I just, I don't know. That's, uh, that's my gut on where things go in Atlanta. But I mean, I, I don't know. That's a that's a future pod, but Nick Nurse I don't think is gonna take the take the Hawks job. I don't think he wants to dive into the Trey Young uh coaching sweepstakes. I, I think it, it's a hard pass for him on that one. But um I don't know. We'll we'll see where Nick Nurse winds up, but that'd be that'd be interesting if he did if the Raptors did actually let him walk and what they would do following that. Um Nas Reed, who I very much enjoy uh watching him play basketball, is he like the thing 
about Nas Reed. He's someone that I'm not sure closes in any playoff games. Like, I'm not sure if he's that guy. But I think he's also someone who could swing a playoff series if you have him. And, like, they are super small and you're able to just pull... Like, I'm trying to think of, like, the perfect example of... Who's the perfect team for Nas where it's, like, they have 36 minutes of this big and then they have 12 minutes of Nas read. And you're, like, I don't know what you do for the 48 minutes with these two. Like, this is just going to be a rough rough seven game series who do you think is like the perfect big for him to like back up if the wolves do move on from him who would you who would you pair him behind i mean we mentioned the clippers Mm -hmm. um the nets do come to mind of a team that nick claxton's been awesome this season yeah but beyond hit, like he's their only real that's who i had like nick claxton for 36 minutes and then 12 minutes and not three it was just Yeah, and the, the 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 potential of like pairing him with Kevin Durant and Kyrie yeah. Irving and the spacing that he has. Also Ben Simmons, by the way, because Ben Simmons is is going to play a role in this team whether you like it or not in the playoffs, um, and he's going to have to be better than he has been lately. But so he's not pairing... the Nas Reed trade. You're not doing Nas Reed for Ben Simmons. <laughs> who says no? <laughs> yeah. Um, but the spacing he provides as a, as a shooter, you know, that would open mm-hmm. up stuff for Ben Simmons as well, which I think is important. So they're, they're an obvious one to me. I also think like. Denver's a team to watch, right? They're, yeah. they're in need of a backup sensor. It feels kind of like that. I know I've, I've seen some people kind of float out the idea of them going after Plumlee or something like that in Charlotte. So mm. but they're another team I, I feel like needs a backup sensor and he kind of on paper makes sense for them. Plumlee feels more like Denver and Nas Reed feels more like Brooklyn to me. Yeah, I think that's fair. And that, those are both probably fine. Like Plumlee's been playing well. I mean, you've been living and dying by Charlotte tape all year long, Scott. <laughs> you've been grinding the Charlotte tape. You're like, wow, this is this is fun. Like I'm enjoying what Charlotte's doing this year. Yeah. Like, are you have you been to the arena? What's it like right now? For the I honestly, I haven't been to a game this season. Okay. I haven't been. Uh, I feel like every single time I've thought about going to a game, something's come up, and I haven't been able to go. Uh, yeah. I honestly don't think I've been missing too much uh, yeah. based on the way that the season has gone. But, you know, Jalen McDaniels is in the news right now. It feels like a lot of teams are interested in him ahead of the trade deadline and, and the possibility. You know, he, he he's he's in that weird situation where he's coming off of a rookie contract, but he's going to be an unrestricted free agent mm-hmm. in the offseason. So what do Charlotte, what does Charlotte do with him? But, um, it, yeah, it hasn't, it hasn't been a, uh, a memorable season to date for the Hornets. They're, I think, in the worst position of anyone in the league. I think, really? they have the, I think they have the worst immediate future. Well, they have LaMelo, which I think, you know, that's a pretty... For how much longer? Like, well, we how much longer is LaMelo putting up with this? Like, this is like, if you're LaMelo, you're looking around, you're like, I don't know. Like, we're like three to four years. Like, you have to do a full teardown now. You don't have a choice. So then by the time they go through a rebuild, LaMelo will be up for his extension. And if you like, you give LaMelo the Supermax, and then it's like, what else do you have around LaMelo? You're like, you're not attracting free agents. Like, it's not a free agent destination. So... I don't know. I don't. I think the timelines are now weird with Lamelo. It's definitely weird. They feel like a team that's going to be a pretty obvious seller at the trade deadline, right? Yeah. Giving up Terry Rozier, getting something back for him. Gordon People Haywood. are just hanging up though. Like uh, Mitch Kupchak's calling. Like we're selling, and they're like, "No, Mitch, we don't care. We do not care. We're focused on Conley, Nasri. Like, what are you doing? We don't want. We don't want him. No, no Terry Rozier. We don't want him." Yeah, it's it's not a great situation, but I will say at least they do have Lamelo Ball, who I I'm he's pretty awesome. confident. I love watching. Yeah, Lamello he's Ball. A, he's a great player, and you could there's a lot worse people you can build around. Um, but whether or not you have the confidence that they can build something around him that's going to be competitive, I don't know. But this how this did all Dan, how did Mike D'Antoni not become the coach? Like that was it. I like Mike D'Antoni with Lamelo Ball should have been like a no brainer. Just do that. What are we doing? Don't overthink yeah. it. Just well, hire was, D'Antoni with Lamelo. 
that was another weird situation. The coaching hire for them, that was, mm. that feels like there was so many crazy things that's happened over the last like 12 months in the NBA that that like everyone forgets that, that they mm. hired someone that they were basically like, ah, actually I'm good. And they hired yeah. the guy that they fired a couple seasons ago. Um, yeah, I don't know. But this all changes in a few months time if they get the number one pick in the draft or even the number two pick for, you know. They feel like a Scoot Henderson team. I, I think the Spurs, like I said before the year, the Spurs were getting Victor Wimbanyana and I'm sticking to my guns that the, I mean, the Rockets is the worst case scenario for the league. They're like, no, 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 no. We can't get enough. We cannot do this anymore. Like the Rockets are a train wreck and you just are, you're like, I don't want that. And it just, it would feel better. I think as NBA fans, we would be like, oh, that's awesome. Like, good for the Spurs, because it's like been really sad to watch them just drift off into not even mediocrity. That's where they went from. They went from contenders to mediocre, and now they're just swirling around just the dumpster fire status that I don't like because I did not grow with, grow up with the Spurs just being horrific at basketball for multiple years in a row. Um, so no, Victor in San Antonio should be what NBA fans are all rooting for because I think that would be the most fun. And I wonder if Pop sticks around for a little bit longer if he gets Victor. I wonder how yeah. that works. Yeah, maybe. I will say, I don't know how many people feel too bad for the Spurs because it felt like they were the best team in the league for about 20 straight years. But I mean, yeah. But it just, yeah. they're like one of those teams now, like you grew up and it's so silly, but like in college ball, we see it a lot where it's like, it just feels better when certain teams are good. Oh like yeah, the sport sure. seems healthier. Sure. Like the Spurs just, when they're good, basketball just feels, NBA feels more normal. Like it just, it feels better. It feels better. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you think about the Alamo, day, the Alamo Dome yeah. game against the Warriors. Like if that right. was, if they were one of the best teams in the West, that would, that game would have been crazy instead of yeah. just like a 30 point blowout for the Warriors. Yeah. yeah. Uh a rare west uh, a rare west coast road trip win uh, yep. for the Warriors. Um uh, they don't like playing on the road. They um do. speaking of the Warriors, they could lose Bob Myers, a uh, good piece by Sam Amick in the Athletic this week. Just how much of an issue would it be for the Warriors? Like how concerned are you about the immediate future because I think this coming out now makes you wonder more about like okay, we all just kind of penciled in the Warriors were going to figure this out. They were going to maybe finally admit that the James Wiseman experience is not going to not gonna match up with what they need right now to get back to the finals and do what they need to do. Steph's having another MVP-type season. But I don't know. Like You see that and you're like, okay, are they starting to get cold feet about really paying all this money for Bob Myers, for Kerr, for this group, keeping this core together? You just paid Jordan Poole. Like, I, I don't know. It, just, it feels a little bit more uncertain than the Warriors have ever felt in the lake of Kerr, Steph Myers era and it's like if they really lose him like where would he and where would he actually go but like that affects how they approach the deadline right like if they're not certain if Bob Myers is going to be around or Bob's not certain he's going to be around is he going to make a big trade to to keep this thing humming is he going to stay in pat like I I don't know I just think the Warriors situation and people have just penciled them in as like they're going to figure it out because the West is so cluttered from four down to 13 or whatever that like oh, they'll figure it out and they'll go on a run and they'll climb back into that four or five spot, which is all they need to get to to be contenders once again. Because what were they last year in the playoff seeding? Were they four? I feel like they were four. Th third or fourth sounds yeah. right. And right, because they, they played Denver in the first round and Denver yeah. was like the fifth seed, I think. I think, that yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um. So they want to get there. But I also just am like, I don't know if it's a slam dunk. I don't know if you can just not do anything and think that you're going to get there. And it's going to turn on. We got 30 games left, give or take. I don't know. Are you more concerned about where the Warriors are headed right now, Scott? It's funny. I, I Did we talk like a month ago? And I feel like we talked about the Warriors for a while and we talked about mm -hmm. like how concerned are you? And I wasn't concerned at the time. I, I don't feel that different at this point. Like mm -hmm. they, 
I, I don't know if we've learned that much about them since then. Like the yeah. their starting five is still one of the best in the league by net rating. Like mm. when their five best players are on the court, they are really, really good. Jordan Poole has had moments lately where I feel like he's kind of played at the level at least that they hoped he would get to. Mm. Um and then it does it does feel like their depth has been sorted out a little bit. Like Dante DiVincenzo has had a good run lately. Jonathan Kaminga feels like he's kind of found his footing. So suddenly mm. you've got like eight or nine deep on that roster because the bench really was a, a big problem at the start of the season or the first half of the season. Mm. So I feel like the, there's certain stuff there and they've been really good at home, but the road stuff and how much they've struggled to win away from, from Golden State has been weird. And mm. uh, Anthony Slater... Uh, had it written down after their last win that that was the 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 win over the Thunder was the first time this season that they've won back to back games on the road, mm. which is crazy. It's the end of January and this team is the uh, defending champions. It's it's a very it's just been a very weird season to date. But in saying all that, I mean, what are they right now? Um, fifth in the fifth in the West, a couple games out from a top four seed. They're getting healthy. You know, Steph's missed time. He's back. Wiggins missed time. He's back. They're another They're team where I feel 17th, like... They're 15th and 17th, though, in offense and defense. Yeah, right. And then last season, defensively, they were... I think they were around the same offensively last season, which wasn't a mm-hmm. surprise, just given Clay didn't play most of the season, Steph missed some time, Draymond also missed some time. But defensively, they finished, what, second defensively last year? Mm-hmm. Um, they were just fantastic on that end of the court, and they haven't been that this season. It's also... like The thing I could just keep going back to is it's so hard to make it back to the finals in back-to-back yeah. years. Like, it, you just don't see it that often... And we kind of just took it for granted with LeBron, but LeBron is just one of a kind. Like that stretch he had when he made it to the finals, what was it, like nine straight seasons? Mm. We probably won't ever see anything like that again. Um, It's just really, really hard to play that late into the calendar in back-to-back years. So they're another team where I just, I feel like it it wouldn't hurt for them, obviously, to make a move at the trade deadline. I just don't necessarily know what that move is. Like I know, I feel like I've seen Warriors people say they want to go after like Alex Caruso, which... He would fit like that Gary Payton, the second role of what he brings defensively, and he can kind of fill in some gaps offensively. He's also just a really smart player. Like, I think that kind of makes sense, but I don't know if that's the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelly Olynyk is another guy who it feels like has been linked to the Warriors since the, the start of the season. He's, I, he's I, entering the Anderson Bergeau era of his NBA career. I mean, I think he'd fit in really well in Golden State. Like. Mm. How he moves the ball, his ability to to space the floor. He's he's mm. pretty crafty around the basket, all that kind of stuff. I think he'd fit it really well. Getting a I lot of fights in a playoff series. What's that? He would get in a lot of fights in a playoff series. I feel like him and the Draymond influence. Like uh, I think yeah. Kelly Olynyk would get in some scuffles come playoff yeah, time. Probably. Um, so I don't know. It's but again, it's just it goes back to what I was saying at the top. Like I I just don't know what to make of these teams in the West because. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, would you be surprised if the Warriors are back in the finals? All, no. After all of this? Yeah. No. Steph's yeah. still playing at an MVP level. Like, Steph's right. still good. Like you said, the starting lineup is still one of the best. They're plus 19.6 uh, with Kavon Looney and company. It is funny. What would you guess the two worst lineups include of uh, the Warriors this year? Pool. Um, no. Wait. Hold hmm. on. You caught me off guard. Yes, Pool is on both of, okay. uh, of both of them. But the other name who is in both of those terrible lineups. I don't want to say Clay, but is it Clay? No, it's James Wiseman. Okay, well, that's not a surprise. <laughs> James <laughs> Wiseman, like, I go through, like, all these different lineups, like, year over year, and I'm like, they, there's just no good ones. Like, James Wiseman is not in any good lineups. The, the minutes have never been positive for the Warriors, and it's like, you cannot keep wait. Like, there's just the the path to getting him enough minutes to, like, working through the kinks and getting building that chemistry and getting on the same page with the main guys. I just, I don't think it's ever going to happen. And the back and forth of the G League, I don't know if that's good for confidence. 
I don't know. Like, I I don't know who the right team is. I mean, if you were ever, like, going to just do a buy low, but, like, if I had to, like, think of anyone around the league that I would be most intrigued by trading Jays wise with two, it's actually the Raptors. Like, really? you know, they were talking about, like, Jakob Pertl, but, like, yeah. Nick Nurse and that development, what they've done with their bigs, like, there's no expectations there right now. Like, they're all about just giving you opportunities. You play a bunch of minutes. Like, if you're in that eight, like, if you're Kim Birch, you're playing a bunch of minutes or you're not playing at all. Like, I think that could be the best potential option, but I don't know if that's enough to bring in, like, I think maybe that's Gary Trent Jr. Maybe you do Wiseman for Gary Trent and you make it work some way like that. It's just another shooter. And I, I don't know. That would be something intriguing to me. I know that it would hurt Warriors fans to like sell that low on a lottery pick and someone that important. But like, we're nearing the end here. Like you're gonna have to pay Wiseman or something very soon. Like this is the end. Like the Wiseman era, unfortunately is just not going to go this way. Like other teams have had to bite the bullet earlier and the Kings are fine. They're going to be a top four seed, but they were like, Oh, the Mar, uh, or excuse me, the, they got, yeah, no, they moved Marvin Bagley. And that was like pretty apparent early on. Like this yeah. is not going to happen and he's fine. Like as a third or fourth big and uh, Detroit, like he's finding his footing a little bit, but like, it's not going to happen. Like he's not going to be a cornerstone piece in this roster. And I think it's just been harder for the warriors to admit that like, he's just not a, not a cornerstone piece. But if you were to be able to flip him for Gary Trent jr. Something like that, I, I don't know. I think it'd be a good fit. Like I, I would like to see something like that happen. I, uh, over on NBA Canada, we've been doing like, I've been presenting fake trade packages to, mm-hmm. to people on our team and basically been like, who says no? So for mm-hmm. the we've done it for Pascal Siakam, we did it for OG, and we did it for Fred Van Vliet. Mm-hmm. I had a, a Warriors Pascal Siakam trade. Okay. I, I had Siakam, Otto Porter Jr., and Ken Birch for Draymond, James Wiseman, Jonathan Kaminga, and Moses Moody. I think the Warriors say no. You think so? I don't think the Warriors are going to move Draymond until it's like Draymond asked for the Warriors to move him. I think I mean, he, be could, he could be gone. He could just walk in free agency, though. Which is fine. Like you have to let that happen because he's been the heart and soul of that team. It's like fair. even it's totally fair. Yeah, I just don't think that. I think there'd be a revolt. Like I really do think there'd be a warrior fan revolt if you move Draymond Green. I mean, Draymond is so important, by the way. Yeah. Like I, I'm not saying this is in like they need to trade Draymond. He's still so important to what they do on both ends of the yeah. court. Like I know everyone likes to make fun of Draymond and and what he doesn't do offensively. Mm-hmm. He still has a ton of value there with his passing and all that kind of stuff. He's yeah. just such a smart player. But um, yeah, that, that, that's the one I had for Pascal Siakam, I like that, Siakam to the Warriors, which I thought was interesting. But it's funny you said the Raptors. I hadn't really thought about them as a potential Wiseman destination. I wonder if they'd go for it. He'd also like match up with Scotty Barnes' timeline. Yeah. Um, they obviously need a center. The team mm. that I keep thinking about for him is just Charlotte. Like that, I feel like they just make the most sense of... Well, you just drafted the kid who I like. That's uh, true. Williams from yeah. Duke, who could yeah. be a good player for them. Yeah, playing a little bit good. more. I guess it just depends on how high you are on Wiseman. Like, do you mm. still think in the right situation with the right reps that he could grow into kind of this all-star caliber player or are those days just gone at this point? Like the Heat just trade low for him and they like just turn him into Shaq. Like they just, <laughs> the Heat just bring him in and they're like, yeah, we're just going to murder teams with Bam and Wiseman on the block. Yeah. We're like, we're going to be the most physical front court in the NBA and it's going to be ugly as hell. Can you imagine an offense where it's like James Wiseman, Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler are just pulverizing you over and over again? Like that's your, oh my God. That'd be the most Miami thing possible to bring in Wiseman and just, really just say we're not shooting threes we're just going to draw 75 fouls uh every single night and put you in the blender like that's what we're going to do it's tough man it, it has been i do feel for for wiseman because i feel like it has been 
a weird situation for him, especially for a guy mm. who like he didn't play in college. Didn't he play like four games in college? Yeah, he got rolled ineligible pretty early on. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's just like it. I think it was pretty clear from the get go that he needed. It would take him some time. He needed some reps and everything. Mm. And really, the golden like Golden State in the way that they play, they kind of just need him to do like two, three things. Yeah. It's like protect the rim, run the floor, and set screens and roll to the basket, which sounds very simple. But I think we've talked about this before, where it's like. Mm. To be good at the simple things in the NBA is actually, I feel like, really hard, and it's mm-hmm. just super valuable. So it, it's just I, I do feel for him for a bit because I do feel like it's it's it has been a tough situation overall, and that's not even getting into like the injuries he's had and, and all that. For sure. Um, couple quick things, Bojan. Yep. Where would you like to see him go? Do you think the Lakers are the most fun spot for him? Like, would you give up at least one protected first for Bojan at this point, based on how well he's played? Do you think he goes down a little bit if he goes into a non-Detroit incubator? Um, I don't know. Is the Lakers the best team for him, or do you have somewhere else in the who says no sweepstakes for Bojan Bogdanovich? I will say, I think he would go down a little bit if he got traded to a team like that. He also Mm. played in Utah next to Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and was really good. Like, Mm. I think he's kind of proven he can still be an awesome, like, third or even, like, fourth option on offense. So I feel like he's Mm. just super malleable and can fit in kind of almost anywhere. The team that comes to mind for me, for him, though, is, is Dallas. Mm-hmm. On one hand, like I, I think Dallas would be better off going for someone younger who fits Luka Doncic's timeline better, and like you can kind of build something more to the future with them. But mm-hmm. I just think Bogdanovich right now would fill in a lot of gaps for what this team needs. Like Luka needs help, and I think mm-hmm. having a guy who can do enough with the ball in his hands to take some pressure off of him, but also can excel off ball as a shooter, moving off of screens, everything like that. I think he'd be a really good, like, number two on this kind of version of the Mavericks. So, what's the deal? I'm looking at it right now. So, I think to make this all work, I would do Dorian Finney-Smith, and then I'd probably do... You're, like, you're you're taking Bertons. Like, it's, like, we're we're not doing any of this until you take Bertons. Like, that's... It's got to be Davis involved. And a trade that's successful is Hardaway and Bertons for Noel and uh, Bojan. That helps in multiple ways. Like you get Nerlens Noel, just another big uh, yep. defensive big. I I would like him uh, in Dallas, but yeah, I I don't I don't mind that one. Um, hmm, that's interesting. I you know what I like? I don't know if the Pistons would do it, but like John's been on the block for so long that like I would like to see what a f- closing five of um, Akongwu, Bojan, DeAndre Hunter. DeJounte Murray and Trey Young playoff series looks like like I would like to see that kind of shooting and then if you need to enter interchange uh, DeJounte or DeAndre for Bogey on different possessions that's also another thing you have at your disposal and then obviously you can flip Anyeka or Clint Capella depending on who's playing better at that particular point but I don't know I would not hate and I feel like that's more what Detroit's looking for is like those kind of ready to win now players um, with Dwayne Casey and kind of jumpstart this rebuild a little bit more. And I wonder if John, and I love John Collins, he's the leader of this team and just so important. And I'm concerned about the locker room with John Collins not being in the, the room because he's been in the trade room for so long, but he's just, he's pro and just a likable dude and just the, the real actual leader for this team in the last few years. But I don't know, would, would that intrigue you if you're Detroit? And would that intrigue you if you're like, okay, the Hawks in the playoff series, like Bojan at the four with, uh, rim runner uh, like in Yucca and then a couple good shooters and DeJounte and Trey and like would that would that move the needle at all for you for the Hawks 
I definitely like the idea on paper, and I realize mm. I just said that Boyan could play next to basically anyone, any team, mm. any situation. But I do wonder if playing next to Trey Young and DeJounte Murray specifically kind of freezes him out too much on mm. offense to the point where he's basically just a spot-up shooter. That's like, all I- we need. You're, you're spot up, like DeAndre Hunter on one side, one side of the corner, and then uh, Boyan at the other, and then just rim running and everything else. And then it works because DeJounte and Trey, when they close, they just take turns and they get frustrated right. with each other when it's two straight <laughs> possessions of Trey messing up. And then DeJounte is like, well, now I have to take a pull up three and then I'm going to miss that. And then the game's over. And is that what happened against uh, the Clippers on Saturday night? Well, who's to say? Who's to say that's how it ended because um, it's not going great, Scott. Uh, it turns out like my summer thing where I'm like, Trey can say all the right things. And look, Trey's a great player. But Trey, it's just different when these guys who have such high usage rates say, like, I want help. And then they're like, I want to like, I want to win, blah, 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 blah. It's easy to say that in the offseason. You're like, I want another all-star guard. And it's like, awesome. You got me DeJounte Murray. This is going to be great. I have another guy I can trust. It's like, well, do you understand like what made him great? Like part of this is like, you're going to have to take a more of a backseat. Like this is going to be uncomfortable. You're going to do things off the ball. Like it sounds so good in the summer. Like it's those summer conversations where it's like, oh, the backcourt, we're going to stagger these two. It's going to be great. It's like, well, no, you still have to close with them. Like this is still going to be a closing situation. And they still were in end of January and they haven't figured it out. Like it's just not, it's not easy. It's not comfortable for these two. And I, I totally get it. Like, DeJounte is also just, we're going to go ahead and say this, much better player than Trey Young at this point. Like, it's not even close. You watch these games. DeJounte Murray is the best Hawks player. It's not even close. Like, it is not particularly close. DeJounte is so good on defense. His shot's been great. He's great in the mid-range. He does all the little winning plays. Number two is A.J. Griffin. A.J. Griffin's the second best player in the Hawks right now. That man I trust more than anybody else in the Hawks to get their, uh, get their own shot. He is so smooth. He had this yeah. great cross on, I think it was Kawhi on Saturday night, where he is such a brilliant shot creator for his age. I'm so high on A.J. Griffin. He should be starting at this point. Um, I love A.J. Like, his shot's clean. He shoots super well. The jumper looks crisp. And he's a great defender. He's huge. I like his length. Um, and he's played really, really good basketball. And uh, I'm big. Uh, this has turned into the ending of the Hawks podcast. But I had to get out my my thoughts, Scott, because they've been frustrating me. And that's, uh, that's where I'm at with the Hawks right now. I don't know what it is. Every single time on this pod, I feel like uh, I, I spark like a 10-minute rant in you about the state of the Hawks. So I, I apologize, but I also think I don't it's know what it is, Scott. I just, I just, it's like a sounding board. It's like I, always, I need to get it off because no one else wants to talk to me about the Hawks. Like I don't have anybody else in my life who I can just like yell at and be in here in Knoxville, Tennessee, where I'm just like, I, I need to get this off my chest. I'm the only one in Knoxville, Tennessee, watching every Hawks game each week and just losing my mind, um, who also lost again uh, to the Blazers last night and fell two games below 500. So go Hawks. Um, Scott, what can the good folks check out from you over at NBA Canada, Sporting News, and all that good stuff this week? Uh, Gil and I, we have a NBA sound system, our podcast that we do every single week. So we did, uh, we picked our reserves for the all-star game. Surprisingly, mm-hmm. I think we were 13 out of 14, um, without sharing our list beforehand. So we were, that was kind of surprising. So we have that. And then really a bunch of trade deadline stuff. Um, as I said, some of these Raptors trade packages for these, these guys, seeing if they're going to be sellers. That's mm-hmm. been a fun exercise. Um, and you know. Don't know if you've heard Chase, but LeBron's about to pass Kareem um, in the all-time scoring list. So there's, I have there's heard a lot that. of eyeballs on that, and we'll be doing a lot there. I've heard that he maybe like I was listening to Chris Haynes and uh, Mark Stein, who have a new podcast, and they were talking about it where it's like uh, 
hunch, hunch, wink, wink as to why LeBron missed Brooklyn and certain like we're now at the point where LeBron's just going to pick and choose to like make sure he gets uh, the scoring mark in Los Angeles at home against the team. Like it's <laughs> it's so choreographed. It's like you're in a playoff chase. Like, what are we doing? Like we're, you're fighting for your playoff lives and we're just doing we're, we're going to pick and choose when I play to make sure I land in the right spot when I break the record. And I, I kind of get it. I respect it. He just it's a flex. Um, February 9th. February 9th against the Bucks on TNT. It's oh. happening. 100%. So that means he's going to have to sit some then, yeah. right? Like he's he's going to have, because how close is he? How many points? I I think he's, I think he's basically four games away from yeah. passing Kareem. And there's, that's, that Bucks game is five games away. So mm. he, I, I would put, I, I not, I'm not a betting man, mm-hmm. but I would bet that he sits one of these next four games and he breaks against the Bucks. What if Kareem doesn't come? Like it's all been he's gonna be there, that, right? What if he doesn't? Kareem's interesting. He's got a sub stack. He's writing away. What if he's like? I'm under deadline tomorrow. Like, sorry, can't do it. Can't <laughs> do it. He's staying up late to write that article mm-hmm. about LeBron passing him. I, yeah. I think he'll be there. I think he'll be there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know, but I will say in the end thing, Chandler Parsons had a great quote about that, where he was like, "I just, I don't know if I would have reacted that way uh, with LeBron with the no call against uh, the Celtics on Saturday night." if my French bulldog got run over uh, right in front of me or something, I still don't think I would have reacted. That was something I re- reacted in the moment where I saw because I was uh, at the Hawks game, so I didn't see it live. And I saw it, I'm like, this is a little crazy. Like, this is overtime. This is a regular season game. But he really, really got upset. Like, that was one of the more upset, like, crazy stories. And Patrick Beverly was obviously hilarious with the with the camera. But, like, I thought it was a little, a little overdone. I'm like, you're still going to overtime. Like, it was a bad no call. But, like... This it is was. not game seven in the NBA finals. Like, what are we doing? Like, this was a little over the top for me. I thought that was a little weird. Even then, I, I was saying to, to Gil when we recorded the other day, mm-hmm. like, that, I feel like that's one of the most animated I've ever seen LeBron. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't even react like that when J.R. Smith messed up at the end that's of game one I'm of saying. the finals. Like, there, like, there's so many other moments where you could have reacted like that. I'm like, regular season game against Boston? All right. He did talk about it after, though. It, it yeah. does feel like it's been a buildup of they've had four pretty rough calls over the last two yeah. weeks. Um, and I know a lot of people like to, to make fun of the Lakers and say... You could say for any team that like if they'd won four games in a row or whatever, they'd be in a completely different position. But like the four calls that have been controversial over the last two weeks have literally been like in the last like 10 seconds of a one mm. possession game. Like this is make or break kind of thing. So I'm, I'm not surprised that he was frustrated. But I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't remember the last time I've ever seen LeBron that animated. Yeah. Scott Rafferty, always a pleasure. Appreciate uh, it. You have yourself a great rest of your week. Keep up the good work, my friend. Stay healthy and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, you too. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew.
Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.